Coming up on this week's show, we delve into the world of Fog City with Layla Rain. This is the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. Each week, we bring you exclusive author interviews, book recommendations, and explore the latest in gay pop culture. Welcome to episode 193 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from JeffAdamsWrites.com, and with me as always is my co-host and husband, Bill Knauss. Welcome back, everybody. This episode of the podcast is brought to you in part by our remarkable community on Patreon. A big thanks to Lucy for joining us. We'll have more information on how you can join them at the end of the show, along with a sneak peek of what we've got coming up for you next week. So we are at the halfway point of the month. Uh, I hope everyone has enjoyed their Pride festivities thus far. If you have yet to celebrate, uh, hopefully you've got <laughs> some uh, wild and crazy times to look forward to in the remaining month of June. Yeah, it's been fun seeing the the Pride post uh, we saw this past weekend, I believe from Michigan and Ohio and some places in upstate New York. Uh, New York still has its big festival to come. Uh, as they do World Pride in New York this year, which is very exciting. So, happy Pride, everybody. Busy week for me on the editing front. Uh, I got edits back to the revision of the Hat Trick series, which I've been working on. I got my stuff back from Laura this week, and if you followed along the codename Winger track, Laura is the one who always gives me my mega edits. Uh, she did not disappoint this time, and I'm pleased to say that I did not meet them with fear. Would you say that's accurate? You met. The, you had a brave face on. Brave face, open arms, <laughs> and uh, I will be working on those over the next couple of weeks to make Hat Trick uh, hopefully a super good book uh, as it heads towards re-release later this year. High school hockey player, computer whiz, covert agent. Theo Reese's life is split between being a normal teenager and a secret agent who goes by the code name Winger. After years of providing mission support from behind his keyboard, he's thrust into an unexpected world of adventure and danger. In Tracker Hacker, the first book in the Codename Winger series by Jeff Adams, it becomes personal for Theo, as an enemy organization compromises tactical operational support's agent tracker system. Among the missing agents, his father. Theo puts his life on the line to stop the hack and rescue his dad. Diverse Reader says, Wow, talk about a wild ride from beginning to end. I could not stop reading. Discover the world of Codename Winger with Tracker Hacker. Available in ebook, paperback, and audiobook, as narrated by John Solo. And just a reminder with Tracker Hacker, uh, it is on sale for 99 cents at all the ebook outlets through June in celebration of Pride Month. So last week, we talked about the first three episodes that we'd watched of the new Tales of the City series on Netflix. And over the course of this past week, we wrapped all that up and caught the other seven. I have to give a particular shout out to episodes four and eight. Uh, in 4, we really got a close look at the relationship that Michael and Ben have. Uh, in particular, uh, Ben discovered part of Michael's past. Uh, <laughs> getting a little snoopy in the closet there a little bit and seeing some artifacts of Michael's. But I in particular liked uh, how they kind of reviewed 
what Michael had put together in the very first episode of Tales of the City, which was his, uh, I believe it was the Dirty 30 New Year's Resolutions. And it was great to see a little revisit of that, uh, as well as a dinner party that they went to uh, that really, I thought, showed some interesting dynamics that happened in the community between uh, the older community who would live through Stonewall and through the AIDS epidemic and some of the younger folks. It was a really interesting conversation that I thought happened before and after dinner uh, in that case. Episode 8, I think, is possibly my favorite individual piece of Tales of the City ever. It uh, looked at Anna Madrigal's arrival in San Francisco, uh, some of the things that she lived through there, uh, drawing on actual historical events. Uh, I learned for the first time of the Compton's Riots, for example, and also we got to see how she came about to buy Barbary Lane, so I, that was a really delightful episode. I hope, hope, hope that there'll be more tales. They left the door open for it, uh, but I really adored the series and uh, was very happy to get to finish watching it. Uh, also this week, uh, Pose Season 2 premiered on FX. So great to have that show back. Uh, it also opened with a little bit of history. They've jumped forward to 1990 now. Uh, so we're in the height of the AIDS epidemic in New York City. And uh, the world has changed a little bit since we left it last. And I look forward to seeing where this new season happens. I suspect you'll be hearing us talk about Pose on and off over the next few weeks for sure. Uh, what were your thoughts on Pose coming back? I really uh, I really enjoyed this first episode. Um, it was a little bit um, Gay History 101, um, but I think that was necessary for uh, understanding the context of what these characters are going through. Uh, primarily, this first episode dealt with Blanca and Pray Tell. Um, both of them are dealing with the grief and anger associated uh, with being HIV positive during that time period and losing so many friends to the epidemic. Um, what's really interesting is, is how each of them deal with it individually. Uh, Blanca is worried about, well, not worried necessarily. She's primarily concerned with her legacy. And uh, since Madonna's Vogue uh, was at the height of its popularity in 1990, she is looking uh, to the future with optimism. Uh, Vogue has taken the world by storm. That means, you know, uh, amazing things for her and her friends are like just around the corner. Uh, so she's um, making big plans. While at the uh, other end of the spectrum, um, Praytel is trying to channel his anger uh, through uh, activism with ACT UP, uh, something that uh, Sandra Bernhard's character has turned him on to. Um, so it's really interesting. The, the episode was um, heartfelt and dynamic. Uh, also had uh, glamour and, and uh, humor as well. Uh, so I think it was a great way to kick off season two of Pose. Can't yes, wait. on FX, Tuesday nights. Check it out if you have it. And the season one, if you're behind, is also on Netflix. Now, you read a Sylvia Violet book this week, one of your favorite authors. Yes, I want to talk about Anticipating Disaster, and it's by Sylvia. 
And the story uh, revolves around a nice guy named Oliver, and he really enjoys his, you know, pretty quiet, low-key, bookish life. Um, so he's understandably less than thrilled when he has to re attend a, a family reunion at a ski resort. Um, he braves the frigid temperatures and disapproving attitudes of his extended family to please his grandmother, uh, who he adores. Um, also, we've got irresistibly sexy bisexual outdoorsman David. He's in town to help his friend mend a broken heart. Um, but while his bestie distracts himself with a pair of slope bunnies, David sets his sight on klutzy Oliver, and he offers to give him some private ski lessons. Um, the flirtation leads to friendship and then eventually to David accompanying Oliver on some of the planned reunion activities. And when certain family members mock Oliver's sort of nerdish tendencies, uh, David like fiercely defends him because, you know, it's obvious. Can't they see how smart and sweet and kind he is? <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, to give Oliver a vacation from his relatives, David takes Oliver to Anticipation, the uh, super cute, picture-perfect mountain town that he calls home. And the more time that our two heroes spend together, the more that they think this might actually be the real deal. The problem is that neither one of them does casual relationships, and David has his life in Anticipation, while Oliver has his life back in Florida with his grandmother. And a long-distance arrangement doesn't seem particularly practical uh, in each of their views, so they kind of part ways. Oliver returns to his real life, and after some time apart from David, he realizes, with some help from his grandmother, um, that his quiet existence might be more about hiding from life than actually living it. So he decides that David is well worth the risk and heads back to anticipation to start a, a, a new chapter in his life. I really, I really genuinely enjoyed anticipating disaster. Um, the author takes some familiar character tropes and, and s story ideas and crafts a really compelling uh, narrative, while at the same time giving the romance her own specific twist. Um, the setup might be pure category romance, but um, let's be real, this is a Sylvia <laughs> Violet book, so you know that the heat level is going to be cranked all the way up to 11. Uh, Oliver has a penchant for lacy undergarments, and over the course of the story, David discovers that he likes cute guys with a, a, a penchant for lacy <laughs> undergarments. Like, he likes it a whole lot. Uh, also, in the bedroom, David has a talent for turning some particularly filthy turns of phrase, so the time that our heroes spend together definitely do not disappoint. Um, these are not the kinds of sex scenes that you're going to, like, skim over. <laughs> <laughs> um, this book is the first in a series with the quaint town of Anticipation serving as the backdrop for future stories. Um, there were a few side characters introduced in Anticipating Disaster, and I really look forward to the romances that will unfold in upcoming books. I think it's going to be really, really good. Super glad you like that book from Sylvia, as you always do. She's a, she's a good go-to for you. Uh, one of my go-tos had a book come out last week. Uh, Lily Rain released Prince of Killers, which is the first book in the Fog City series. Anyone who's been listening to the show over the past year knows that I've fallen so hard for romantic suspense, and in particular the stories that Layla writes. As soon as I got the chance to read an advanced copy of Prince of Killers, I jumped on it and I devoured it within days. Not only is the suspense tight, but the budding romance had some great sizzle as well. 
Now, I've never read Romantic Suspense where someone in law enforcement wasn't at least one, if not both, of the central characters in the love story. In this book, however, the main character is on the flip side of the law as the leader of a family of assassins. And this provided a very interesting twist for me, and I really loved the ride that this took me on. The titular prince of killers here is Hawes Madigan, who's recently come into leading his family's business because his grandfather is on his deathbed. One evening, just before a job the family is supposed to go on, Hawes gets information that someone inside the organization is looking to take him out and possibly targeting other members of his family as well. The bombshell is dropped by the mysterious Dante Perry. Now, news of this betrayal throws Hawes for a loop. He figured some of the associates might take issue with the new rules he's put in place, which include no indiscriminate killing, no collateral damage, and no unvetted targets. He introduces these rules because of some past incidents that haunt him, while at the same time also trying to keep the family at least a little more connected to the police rather than just kind of you know making a disaster everywhere they go. Now, the introduction of the Madigan family and how they approach their line of work fascinated me as much as the suspense of the the suspense of the internal sabotage as well as the romance that starts to bloom between Hawes and Dante. In terms of the family, Hawes has a twin sister Helena and a younger brother Holt, who also has a wife and a baby daughter. Holt's the tech wizard for the organization, and Helena has an entire other career as not only the attorney for the family itself, but also pro bono work for those who are wrongfully accused. Now, Hawes's life has revolved solely around the family business, both the legitimate family refrigeration business they've got, as well as this not-so-legit assassin game. The interplay between the family members as they try to sort out the traitor in their midst while dealing with their dying, dying grandfather is so sharply written. The way the events in the book happen, that there's barely time for them to process any one thing that's happening, and yet somehow they do find time to support each other, care for one another, and try to keep the actual family together. Helena even pushes Hawes towards Dante as a potential partner because she wants her brother to have someone. And taking the, the leap to trust and to fall for Dante is one of the things I love most about this book because Hawes has to find the strength to overcome the fear of putting his family at risk. And even though Holt has made a family for himself, and both the parents and grandparents of this family have had successful family lives, Hawes feels that he needs to be cautious, and this push and pull that he's got with himself is just one of the most delicious aspects of this book, because it is such, it's good character stuff going on there, which is awesome. Now, Dante, on the other hand, he really goes out of his way to get Hawes and the family to trust him with not only their brother's heart, but aspects of their business as well, because he's invested in trying to figure out who this inside person is trying to mess everything up. Hawes uses Dante as his rock as this plot against the family unfolds, and it really exposes vulnerabilities for both men. Meanwhile, the bombs that drop in the final quarter of this book were ones that I really had not seen coming at all, and my heart thumped. You know how stressful I get watching TV sometimes. This book was worse than any of that in just making me so super tense. This book is part one of a trilogy, and as was the case with Layla's other books, I can't wait to see where she takes the story. 
Similar to Irish and Whiskey series and the Trouble Brewing trilogy, the Haas of Dante story does not fully wrap up at the end of this book. And of particular note, Prince of Killers ends with a significant cliffhanger. Now, I don't mind cliffhangers, but if you're adverse to that kind of thing, you might want to wait until book two comes out in just a few months to see what happens. For me, Layla here has redefined what a family of assassins looks like, and I cannot wait to see where Fog City goes because this kicks off as a mind-blowing twist, and I really can't wait to see what happens next. So yeah, as you might have told, can tell, I really it, wholeheartedly recommend Prince of Killers. And as always, if you want any more details on the books that we've mentioned in this episode, simply go to the show notes page for episode 193 at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. Want to hang out with us between shows? Check us out on Facebook. You never know what we might post. News about book sales, bonus video content, and maybe even a live broadcast or two. Like us today at Facebook.com slash BigGayFictionPodcast and see what we get up to next. So very excited that I got to talk to Layla Rain and find out all about the Fog City series, why she tortures us with this cliffhanger at the end of book one, and a little bit of sneak peek here and there as much as you can about the upcoming series as well. Welcome, Layla, back to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having me back. Uh, we, I could not not have you back <laughs> to talk about this new series, uh, Prince of Killers, as listeners will have heard right before this interview, blew my mind to pieces and back. <laughs> That's what I want to hear. Uh, tell everybody what this new series is and in particular what they have to look forward to in Prince of Killers. Sure. So the series is Fog City. It's set here in uh, San Francisco. So um, and it's a new romantic suspense series. Um, you don't need to have read any of my series before that. I won't say that there aren't some Easter eggs for those that have, um, because we are all existing in the same place um, and time. But the um, this is a little different because this is following a family of assassins. Um, so in the first, uh, in books one to three of the Fox City trilogy, starting with Prince of Killers, um, you've got Hawes Madigan, who is a, runs a cold storage business by day, um, and then, in, and very successful family kind of business in the city. And then by night, the families are, they're assassins. Um, and he and his two siblings, Helena and Holt um, are kind of the triumvirate that is currently in the heir apparent. He's the heir apparent, and they kind of all run it together. Um, his grandfather is Aileen. And so that's kind of the setup. And fairly successful, he is making some changes in the organization. He is, and so in comes in the first scene, which is actually set at one of my favorite restaurants in the city, Gary Danko. Um, walks Dante Perry, who kind of has this strut about him. Um, you know, long hair, looks like a rock god, um, but he's carrying a gun, <laughs> which he immediately notices, Hawes does. And Perry tells him, there is someone trying to kill you. And Hawes kind of laughs it off to start with because, dude, he runs an organization of assassins. That's what they're paid for. Um, but then as Hawes and the family come to learn 
it does look like someone is starting to stage a palace coup, so to speak. Um, and so Prince of Killers involves sort of the first stages of that and them trying to figure out who it is. And Dante has his own um, motivations as well. You know, he's he is trying to find um, the killer of someone who was close to him. And um, Halls doesn't want him to find out who that is either. So I will leave it at that without spoiling too much. <laughs> well, let's talk about the elephant in the room a little yeah. bit. And that is the fact that while you have left, for example, the books in the whiskey verse on some subtle cliffhangers, okay. this one's bigger than normal for you. Yeah, I'm not hiding anything, guys. Um, this one's got a cliffhanger. Um, I wouldn't say anyone's life is in jeopardy, but um, it's definitely a cliffhanger. Um, I have made no bones about that The Usual Suspects is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> so, hello. Um, and, you know, I grew up in TV land. And so I love cliffhangers and I kind of embraced it with this. Um, and, you know, the good thing is the plan is for all the books to be out this year. Um, all the covers are done. Um, by the time this airs, book two will be in the hands of editors. Um, and I should be working on book three by then. So um, they will all come this year. And yeah, and it's in the blurb. So, you know, everybody, fair warning. I'm not trying to hide it here. So, um, yeah. And yeah. I like how you, you make the analogy to TV because. I would I would put the the cliffhanger that you did on the level of like the mid season break, yeah. not quite a not quite the end of season break, but that mid season it's Christmas That's time. Right. We're gonna go away for a while. I will have a big thing when we come back. That's right. It's the end of November sweeps. Exactly. <laughs> That's where we're at. Not gonna lie. Um, and so and then it it comes back and um, you'll see where it ends and then book two picks up right where it ended. Um, and goes on in there. Yeah, which I'm so. super looking forward to. <laughs> I'm right. It's been, uh, it's, it's fun. And, you know, I'm not, I can't, uh, I can't spoil anything. Yeah, don't say anything <laughs> else. I don't want to know. I don't want the listeners to know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what was the inspiration for Fog City overall? Because since you've gone with this family of assassins, it's certainly different from what we're used to in the whiskey verse where you've got all the, you know, FBI agents and other kinds of, you know, law enforcement as your main characters? Sure. Um, so ironically, I was uh, wandering through Wander IR's uh, photography website looking for covers for a different project. Um, and I saw this picture of what will be the book three cover. Um, and I had to know what the hell is their story. I mean, it just jumped at me. And I was like, I have to know the story. And then one of my good writer friends, Allison Temple said, you can't buy the pictures until you have a story. She's like, do not spend the money. Um, so by the end of the weekend, I had the story. <laughs> um, I had all three of them. And then I was like, okay, so let me piece together the three covers. And so that's kind of how it in its original um, came about, you know, thinking about doing it. So art really did inspire art in this case because um, the photos were just amazing but then um, also I, yeah I wanted to branch out and do a little bit of something different um, there have been hints of the people in the gray area you know Jamie 
good guy, but he, some of that hacking is not exactly on the up and up. Um, Mel, I think we saw go more and more, you know, in her bounty hunter business and, and be a bit more flexible once she left the FBI. And so kind of a going from there and wanted to play more in that gray area and having read books to LJ Hayward's, um, death in the devil series in particular, um, you know, it's, it's fun and it's to some extent pretty liberating, um, I don't think it was, it wasn't harder. There's less rules, right? Um, I don't have to check the FBI's hierarchy chart, um, every day to make sure I'm naming someone the right position. Um, so in that regard, it's actually been a bit easier. Shades of gray is a hundred percent right. Cause it's, it's not a spoiler to say that Hawes, not only does he have the legit business on the side, but he's even trying to modify the ways that the family does the assassin business to make it, mm-hmm. I guess, less bad, maybe? <laughs> yeah, no, he, so there's an event that happened three years ago um, that kind of drives a lot of the series. And when you read, you'll find out what that is. And to that extent, it it drives Hawes' three rules, which are in the blurb, which is no indiscriminate killing, no collateral damage, and no unvetted targets. So it, they're not, he is turning the organization away from kind of the killing machine that his grandfather, Papa Cal, was. Um, and he is, his parents were very methodical, very efficient, not a whole lot of emotion in it. And so he's trying to find the, help, the balance between those two um, of it being, you know, I, I don't want to say the killer with a heart of gold, but he is a killer with a conscience. Um, and so he doesn't even like the moniker Prince of Killers um, and what that stands and how it came about, which you read about in the book as well. But um, so, yeah, so he's definitely a great character. And then when you look at the broader picture of, of everyone in the series, um, Holt, <laughs> Holt is, you know, this, he, you'll learn, you know, has a kid and he is first and foremost, the father, right? And he is a hacker. And he, because of where he's at in his life, has pulled back to being kind of the digital assassin of the bunch. Um, And then Helena, who is the sister, who is my typical female, complete badass, um, lover. Uh, She works for, she does uh, criminal defense work in her day job, where she is actually working for people who are wrongfully accused. And so there's some shades of gray in her as well. And then even one of the other side characters is the chief of police who has an interesting relationship with the Madigans. Um, And he knows that there is some benefit to what they do. And you're going to find out there's some backstory with him as well um, as to where he is. So, and you actually, there's a reference to him in, if you've read Trouble Ruin, there's a reference to him in Noble Hobbs. Um, it's, it's the same chief for those who are watching <laughs> um, that read that. Yeah, so that was one of the Easter eggs I missed. Because yeah. you and I have talked about the Easter eggs and there were some that I caught and some I was like, dang it. <laughs> yeah. So that's one of, he's the new chief, you know, that, that's a little bit more flexible in the way things are done. And so... Everybody, and then Dante is also, you know, playing in his shades of gray as a PI, and how far he's willing to go, and what he's doing 
personally and professionally. Like, where is that line for him? So Helena is the one that I found the most interesting in her shades of gray, because here's an officer of the court uh -huh. who occasionally does some, you know, very illegal things. Yeah. Yeah. Which isn't to say that they're, you know, all lawyers are, you know, on the right side of the law. But for her, it seemed like really. Right. And she makes a line about it balancing out her karma. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. kind of how she she's approaches it to some extent of, you know, part of what they're doing and, and why he particularly Helena and Hawes are so well aligned is that, you know, Hawes is once the contract's. Of the people the law can't reach or that escape the law, the, you know, who get around, let's just say, because of who they know or who they pay. And that's kind of who their targets. That's the targets he wants. Um, people that have, you know, skirted justice um, for nefarious reasons. And her day job is the people who justice has wrongfully done. Mm -hmm. And so... They kind of work hand in hand and her feeling on it plays to both of her careers. So you mentioned yeah. in this book, you had less rules. So like you're, you're not looking up on the FBI flowchart on yeah. things. Were there challenges to coming at these characters who had these shades of gray or was it free for alls a little bit much, but yeah, <laughs> certainly no, more certainly. freeing, I guess. Yeah, certainly challenges. I mean, you still have to balance the fact that, hey, they're killing people, <laughs> right? Um, and how you balance that with their conscience, um, with the people around them. Uh, particularly Kane, who is the police chief, has a lot to deal with um, and going on, kind of. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is definitely, there. there were different challenges. For me, I kind of liked it because... I got to go a little bit more, even though it's a shorter book than usual, I think going into their heads more than I typically would, because there's a lot more internal conflict while still having tons of external conflict. Um, I felt like there was more internal conflict about what they're actually doing than, you know, being the FBI agent and knowing you're on the right side of the law. So this was more, they had to kind of walk that line, particularly Hawes. Mm -hmm. So... One of the things I like most about the book that is, in a lot of ways, it, it's separate from the romance and it's separate from the suspense element a lot, is is the family unit. And yeah. it's a recurring theme, at least in the books that I've read of yours, from you know Irish and Whiskey and their families and then what we see of the families in Trouble Brewing of the main yeah. characters. And here I really feel like Maybe it's because we're so much closer to the family that we really, even in this shorter book, get a lot about Hawes and Ho Holt and Helena yeah. and their interaction with each other. What what was your plan as you like populated this family and the characters that you wanted to put on the page? Yeah. So it kind of, I would say, came about organically to an extent. The first scene... Um, I wrote like that weekend when I saw the pictures, I wrote it and then I posted it and my, my, my little reader group's like, I hate you. <laughs> um, and you know, in that first scene, you actually, there's a reference to, to the siblings, but you actually don't see them. Um, but then they pop up and part of it too, was I'd already found their pictures, <laughs> um, as well. Um, and 
so I kind of knew who they all were, but, and I also knew who we needed to do X, Y, and Z from a plot standpoint, but I also didn't want Halls to be an island to himself, right? And to some extent, giving the life that he lives um, and, you know, the two two aspects of his life, um, that family's going to be the, the only, like, they can't really let anyone else get close, right? Um, and so it is, they're so tight with the family, that's the only people they trust. Um, and so that's, I think, particularly why, you know, that's who he debriefs with. That's who, you know, they're planning with and, and everything because that's kind of it. And then, you know, you sort of, you have in, a, in that expanded family, you also have Holt's wife, Amelia, and you have um, the grandmother, um, Papa Cal's wife. And like those, that's the tight knit crew. Um, and it has been that way for that family for three generations. And that's kind of what you find out is that, you know, this is what they do. And because of that, they have to kind of keep it close to the vest and the families who they trust. But even through that, you've got Helena pushing on Hawes to make the connection to find somebody, (laughs) which I love because even as all hell's breaking loose, it's like, Think about doing that because you could have what Holt has. Yeah. Like they both, both of, um, you know, Holt's happily married with a kid. And I think for both of the, for both Holt, for Hawes and Helena, you know, that's the ideal. Their parents were happily married, right? Papa Cal and Rose were. So there's, you know, you can have a happiness, right, in this. You just have to find the person who accepts it and wears that line and, Dante someone who could be that person, right? He comes in and he seems to know what they do. He seems to be okay with it. Um, and, you know, it's got a, a, you know, a hint of insta lust for sure. Like they're immediately attracted to each other, but it's not until later where Hawes, you know, kind of starts to think, huh, here's this person who maybe gets it um, and is okay with it. Um, the way that Holt and Amelia ended up working out. Um, and Amelia is, is part of the crew. She actually has her own specialty um, with pressure points um, and being a kind of a, a perfect Trojan horse for the, the group because she's not as out there um, as the rest of the, the Madigans wow. are with the business. So, um, so yeah, so he starts to see that. And Helene is kind of also walking a, a thin line of, I want him to be happy, but do we know who this dude is? <laughs> right? <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> okay, go have fun, but be careful. Yeah. Um, so he's trying to be the the rational one in that scenario. So you, we know there's a trilogy. Um, yeah. How far does Fog City go overall? What do you have a grand plan? I do. I do. So. Um, Hawes and Dante will have the trilogy. So they're the main characters through books one to three. Um, and then I am, then Helena will have a book and then there's another fifth book, but I'm not going to say who that is because that will spoil things. Um, but everybody will get their, their HEAs um, by the end of it. So, um, so yeah, so I'm looking at five and then I've got some ideas for spinoffs and I may already have some cover photos bought for them. So um, I would say I like building big verses, right? I mean, I grew up, 
I grew up, I mean, my intro to really reading a lot of romance was Kristen Ashley. And, um, I love that big verse mm-hmm. concept. Um, and so I like building them too. And if you, you know, put, put, put it back on TV. I mean, you look at things yeah. like the Arrowverse and all of its characters yeah. or all the Chicago shows on NBC. Right. You can have all of your, your one big, huge combo verse. Yeah. <laughs> No, and that's kind of like I said. I I grew up in all that too. Like that's I, I was a TV person first, and so yeah, I come from that world yeah. where it's where it is all intertwined like that. And I like doing that, and I like cameos and seeing characters, and it's fun. And and you know, Mel runs everything. Just remember that. <laughs> that's all you need to know. <laughs> Even if the characters don't know that, she's really in charge. <laughs> everything. Yeah. <laughs> now. So. We got to give you a congrats too, because in the midst of you getting this ready, it was announced you're a finalist for Romance Writers of America Rita Award for the book yes. Relay. Yes. Which is awesome. Yeah. For those who don't know, tell us what Relay is about. Yeah. So um, Relay is book one in the Changing Lanes duology, which is Relay and Medley. Um, so two books. Um, it is the duology follows the four men who are on the U.S. men's medley relay team, uh, swim team. And so um, the first book, uh, Relay, which was nominated, is about um, Alex Cantu and um, Dane Ellis, who had a uh, little summer love affair at a training camp 10 years ago um, and didn't go well because Dane is son of an evangelical minister and um, very closeted. And so he ends up on the same Olympic team with Alex, who um, is the team captain, who's worked his tail off, basically, um, to get where he's at. And he is, you know, it's enemies to lovers to start. Obviously, there's a lot of friction there from what happened in the past. And then they end up on the relay team together, have to work together um, and so then you've got a bit of a second chance love story is what it, what it rolls into. And so you see up through the first two legs of training camp and of Olympic training in the first book. So you see the two domestic sites and then the second book medley, which follows the other two characters, boss and Jacob, that's a mentor mentee, bit of a little bit of an age gap, like 26 to 19, I think. Um, and uh, when Jacob's this lovely like pirate quoting cinnamon roll I love him he's so much fun um, and they um, two by characters so pirate got, quoting cinnamon roll yeah he's a cinnamon roll character and he like he's a total dork um, I love that description of him <laughs> yeah um, and so then you see international training in the Olympics in that book so they go hand in hand and I'm really you know there are definite problems with the Rita Award as has been brought up um, with getting uh, better representation. I'm happy this book got through. Um, Alex is a, a character of color. And, you know, when I wrote this, I wanted to say, you know, this is the U.S. Olympic team, a representation that I would like to see, right? That's diverse um, in sexuality, in, in race. And, you know, I'm glad that it, it did get to the finalists because that's at least out there. 
Yeah. And, yeah. and again, congrats for that. That's cool. I don't have to go pick that up now because I have not picked up your, your sports books and I'm certainly like a sports romance yeah. lover anyway. So. Yeah. One of my good friends was a, was a competitive swimmer up through college. And so um, I talked to him a lot. And then one of my other friends um, swam up through high school and then a little bit in college too. So um, it was something different, you know, and I think it was right about the Olympics time where we started we started talking about that that idea, and then it just rolled. And I imagine there was some research involved there too, just yeah. to know what the training program was like and where it happened. And yeah, yeah. And then some of it was my own. Like book two, they they go to Vienna for training, and I studied abroad there. Um, and I've kind of always wanted to put it in a book, um, and so that was a lot of fun. Everywhere there, somewhere that I went, and and even. The, the fight that happens up in the, the wine country kind of happened to a friend. And um, so it was, it was interesting, like to see kind of, it was a different, different source of the fight, but you know, I was traipsing through this little village in the middle of the night going, where'd you go? <laughs> so, yeah. That's awesome. Drawing from real life events. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now you've got a, a bit of a con schedule going on this year. You're 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 headed to BLC, so you'll be at the first incarnation of Book Lovers Con in That's New right. Orleans. But you're also making your very first trip to Gay Romlet this year. I know I can't wait. It's finally back out here, relatively close to us on the West Coast. Um, so I'm I'm so looking forward to that. You know, I loved. I've been to an RWA National, and then I went to RT last year, and I just I love the reader interaction. Like that's, I like that part of it so much. And so that's why I'm going back to Book Lovers Con to get more of that. But then I really want to go to GRL um, because those are particularly our readers, right? Um, And my favorite authors. So I can't, you know, wait to meet some folks, Um, see folks that I met last year, um, meet others. And then like, you know, two of my closest writing friends I've never met in person. They're both going to be there. Um, so I can't wait for that. So name so. drop a little bit. Who are these people you're meeting in person oh, for the first time? Yeah. Uh, well, what's cool at Book Lovers Con is that I'll get to meet Annabeth Albert, who's been a Sprint partner, publisher, publishes with the same, um, with Karina Press too. So that'll be awesome. But then, yeah, at Book, at, uh, our GRL, it'll be, um, Aaron McClellan, who you actually reviewed, um, Clean Break, mm-hmm. Longo, and, um, Allison Temple. So, we can't. We're looking forward to that. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Now, of course, Fog City continues through this year. Yeah. I know you've got at least one other book sneaking yeah. its way out there. Uh, what else is coming up this year? Yeah, so there'll be the three Fog City books. And then Dine With Me comes out in September. And it's very different <laughs> from everything else. So um, well, I guess not. You know, if you've read my books, and even in Fog City... There's food, mm-hmm. there's, food. there's restaurants, um, because I am a complete and total foodie. And so Dine With Me is kind of my love letter to restaurants that I've loved, to uh, food experiences that I've loved. And um, it follows Miller Sykes, who is a award-winning chef who um, gets a diagnosis and um, a medical diagnosis that, and basically if he gets treatment, he will lose his sense of taste. It's a, it's a high likelihood that the treatment and surgery will compromise his sense of taste. And as a chef, 
dude, how? Right. <laughs> like, even as a foodie, I, you know, God, I can't imagine. And I can't even, as a chef, wow. And so rather than get treatment, he decides to go on a last tour of his favorite meals. Um, and every, and it's, it's not just high end, you know, it's dive bars and it's, there's a high end, you know, there are high end restaurants, but also all across the spectrum for everything, a different place offers. Um, and that's partially my experiences too. Um, everywhere there is based on somewhere I've been. And then Clancy Rhodes, who is the financial backer for this effort, um, is kind of along for the ride. He's total foodie experiencing it and how he starts to piece together what's going on and also starts to realize they have a lot in common. Um, despite an, a fair, you know, bit of an age gap and, um, coming from different places and different worlds, they are both kind of facing this great expectations and, um, how to handle that. And he has to convince them that, you know, life is more than just your taste buds. Right. And that love's worth it. And so it's the book of my heart. It's been in my head for years. Um, I've set on the first chapter since 2015, 2016. It was on the initial list of blurbs I gave my agent. Um, and we finally found a place to make it happen. So I'm super excited about it. That's awesome. Cause it's always good to get the book of your heart out there. Yes. Yeah. It's like I said, it, it's different. You know, there, there is a ticking clock aspect to it. Um, given the diagnosis and what's going on, but there, um, you know, there, there's not a car chase, <laughs> which is unusual. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it's, it's a much more internal book and a lot of food gushing. So, you know, I generally say half snacks and tissues, just FYI. <laughs> That's not really a bad thing for any book to have yeah. the snacks and the tissues nearby. <laughs> really need it. <laughs> so. But yeah, so I'm excited. That comes out September 16, and that'll be from Karina. That one will. So. Cool. And I have to ask before we wrap up, how, mm -hmm. how was it to wrap up kind of the whiskey verse for now as, as Trouble Brewing yeah. wrapped up earlier this year? Yeah, I mean, good, right? I, I like where everybody got to. I loved writing that last scene uh, in Trouble Brewing and Noble Hops. Um. You know, it was just kind of a nice, everybody's where they should be, right? Um, and so I was glad to give everybody their, their happily ever after there. I did see some things which are in the pipeline. Um, and so, you know, things may may happen in the future, um, depending on, on time and whatnot. But um, I'm, I'm excited for it. And I'm glad Nick and Cam and um, Mel and Danny and Aiden and Jamie all got their they're happy yeah they definitely deserved it yes they did they worked for it they worked for it yeah but it yeah. was it was such a satisfying read so yeah if anybody yeah. hasn't picked those books up they need to for sure thank you so yeah. what is the best way for folks to keep up with you online so they can keep track of all the fog city release and yeah. the upcoming dine with me and everything else yeah so probably my facebook group layla's lushes is where i'm at the most um, and you can find a link to that on my Facebook page too, which is just Layla Rain. So that's that's me on pretty much all the platforms on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm on Instagram a fair bit. Um, there's a lot of food and my pugs 
Um, <laughs> and my Frenchie there, so just FYI. But um, yeah, and then but I would say the the reader group and the newsletter too, which you just on my website there's a banner, so it's laylarain.com, and you can follow and find it there. Yep. We will link to all that in the show notes along with all the books. And definitely the reader group is the place to be because it's where you find out about like, oh, the first chapter of Fog City well before anybody else does. Yeah, I kind of like I have a hard time sitting on stuff. Um, I ran one of the big X-Files spoiler sites back in the day. So if that tells you anything, um, I'm a bit of a spoiler junkie and have a tendency to spoil things. So just FYI. (laughs) Yeah, everybody should go join up with that if you're into Layla's books in any shape, form or fashion. Yeah. All right. Well, Layla, it's been so good talking to you. Thank you so much for the great read that is Prince of Killers. And I look forward to keeping track of Fog City as the year progresses. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me again. It's been fun. This week's interview transcript was brought to you by our community on Patreon. If you'd like to read the author interview for yourself, simply head on over to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. And thanks again so much for Layla for coming back to talk to us. Yes, Fog City 2 needs to get here really soon. Can't wait to read that. And it was great to have her back on the show to talk about all those goodies, including her read nomination for Relay. Mm, definitely. All right, I think that'll do it for this week's show. Just a quick reminder before we go, you can help support the Big Gay Fiction Podcast with a monthly pledge through Patreon. The additional support of our super fans helps pay for the costs of producing and distributing this show. Joining is super easy, and you'll get special access to monthly bonus episodes, the opportunity to ask questions of our upcoming guests, and lots more. For all the details, simply go to patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. Now, coming up next week, in episode 194, Lee Wynn joins us to talk about his debut novel, Queer is a $5 Bill, and also the blog that he runs that's focused on LGBTQ young adult fiction. It was great to talk to Lee after reviewing Queer is a $5 Bill back a couple weeks ago, and to really talk more about this young adult website that he runs, because it's such a great resource for YA literature. Yeah. So guys, remember, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book. Till next time, everyone, please keep turning those pages and keep reading. For detailed show notes and links to everything discussed in this episode, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday at all major podcast distributors. You can also find us on YouTube. I'm Derek McLean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.